We're continuing a series this morning, um, Hebrews chapter 11, titled By Faith. And we've been looking uh, each week at one of the themes that's present in that chapter. Uh, We started off by saying, by faith we look to the future. And there are examples over and over in that passage of Scripture where people look to the future. They got their eyes off of the current and look to the future. And we talked about the windshield and the rearview mirror. And the windshield is big for a reason because we look to the future by faith. We don't focus solely on the past. We glance at it. But we gaze at the future, and we move into the future by faith. Then we continued that theme last week by the the idea that by faith we endure difficulty. By faith we endure challenges and trials and temptations. By faith we gaze at Jesus and glance at our problems. Right? That was our bottom line last week, that you can focus on Jesus or you can focus on your problems, but you can't focus on both at the same time. And this glance-gaze principle states that whatever we gaze at, whatever we focus on, gets bigger. And we want our Christ and our Savior and our Lord to be getting bigger and bigger, so we focus on Him. Because if we take our eyes off of Him and lock them on our problems and forget about Jesus, our problems get bigger and bigger and bigger. So we gaze at Jesus and we glance at our problems. We gaze at Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He persevered. He made it because he fixed his eyes on the joy that was set before him. And we can do the same. We can do the same. This week, we're going to talk about blessing others. By faith, we bless others. No coincidence, I don't think. We had this planned long before there were any child dedications or child baptisms uh, in view, that, that we would be talking about this subject today. And today was the day that several families came forward to bless their children. By faith, we bless others. And I see a link between enduring and persevering by faith and blessing others by faith. And I almost mentioned this passage last week. Uh, but we were running out of time, so I thought, I'll save that for next week. So I want you to turn, if you would, to Second Corinthians chapter 1. We were in this last week uh, and looked at a couple of verses, but I want to call your attention to verses 3 and 4. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And I believe that's page 1794 in your pew Bibles, if you have one of those. Here's what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Isn't that a beautiful passage of Scripture? And when we talk about the idea of enduring difficulties and challenges by faith and marry that to blessing others by faith, you can see the progression here in this passage of Scripture, these two verses from 1 Corinthians. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then refers to Him as the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. All comfort. And that word comfort is a word picture as so many words in the original language are. And it means to come alongside with strength. That's what comfort means. And that's where we get our words 
fortification, to come alongside, to fortify another. And that's what comfort literally means. It doesn't just mean to caress their cheek or something like that. There have been times in your life when you needed comforted, and it wasn't this soft, mushy-gushy type of comfort. You needed somebody to come alongside you with strength. And the Holy Spirit himself is referred to as our comforter, the one who comes alongside with strength, the paraclete in the original language, the advocate who who advocates for us on our behalf before the Father, who comes alongside with wisdom and strength, who gives us counsel. He's called the counselor. Do you see how all this works? That's the God that we serve. That's the God that reaches out to us. He is the God of compassion and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles. That's good news. But don't stop there. Because the next two words are really important words. They're words that every time you see them in Scripture, you should pay attention. You should underline them or circle them. Those next two words are, so that, so that. God comforts us in our troubles, all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received. Do you see the connection? That God comforts us so that we can comfort others. Whatever you're going through right now, God is there to come alongside you with strength, and he will comfort you in any trouble so that you can comfort others. And I've seen this play out so many times in my own life. I've seen it play out in the lives of people in churches that I've pastored, in the lives of friends. You go through something very difficult. You go through a challenge. You go through a trial. And God brings you through that. And then God brings you somebody who's going through that same trial, that same challenge. Some of our darkest days were days when we felt God's presence the closest And some of the highlights of ministry for me have been the ability to walk through the same dark days with somebody else and to give them the comfort that we ourselves received. And so by faith, we endure difficulties, and by faith, we bless others. I could probably preach on that passage all day, but I got all this other stuff we got to talk about too. It's exciting, isn't it? Our bottom line today is that we are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed that blessing would flow through our lives. We persevere in order to help others persevere. We endure in order to help others endure. We come to faith in Christ in order to help others come to faith in Christ. We are blessed to be a blessing. You can turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. There's a couple passages uh, in here that I want to look at today. That's on page 1875. And I want to look at verses 20 and 21 to start with. When we consider this idea that we are blessed to be a blessing, that by faith we bless others. Here's what it says in verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Do you see, in each case, it was by faith that blessings were spoken, that blessings were made. And it points us to the importance of generational blessing, the importance of parents to bring their children before the Lord and before their church family and to dedicate that child to the Lord and to pray God's blessing over that child and for you as a church family to embrace them and to become a part of the blessing of that child through the church, through the family of God. And we are particularly blessed here at Linwood to be what I would refer to as a multi-generational church. Every generation has a significant representation in our church body, in our church family. Many churches that you'll walk into, it becomes very clear that there is a dominant 
generation, that the majority of people find themselves in that generation. And we are blessed to have a few builders. We've got a lot of boomers. We've got a lot of Generation X. We've got millennials. And we have the XYZ or whatever they're calling the the Generation IY or the the new generations. We have people in in a range over 90 years on any given Sunday. And I think that is a tremendous blessing. I think it's an asset. And I think our enemy thinks it's an asset. And he'll do whatever he can to turn it into a liability, won't he? That's what Satan does. He goes around looking for your strengths, looking for your assets, and tries to turn them into weaknesses, tries to turn them into liabilities. Yet Linwood has a tremendous asset in that we have multiple generations represented and able to pour into each other's lives, able to learn from each other, able to bless each other. And we see the importance of generational blessing. Interestingly enough, Isaac and and Jacob, who are referred to here, their father was Abraham. And I want to spend just a second looking at Abraham's call because we see something clear back in Genesis chapter 12. You don't necessarily need to go there if you don't want to. I've got this one on the screen for you. But this is the call of Abraham. This is the first communication between God and Abraham. And he says in verse 2 of Genesis chapter 12, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. This is God speaking to Abraham. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. What was the bottom line? We are blessed to be a blessing. This is a short one. I think we could even say it all together. Do you think we could say it all together? One, two, three. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. That's right. And then in verse 3, he continues, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. He's speaking to Abraham, but he's communicating a principle that we are blessed in order to be a blessing. That God blesses us in order that we might be a blessing to others. Now, most of us don't want to feel like we're a means to an end. That's got sort of a negative connotation today. But this principle and what we see in Scripture is that we are meant to be a means to an end, that, that we are not an end in of, and of ourselves, that we are not meant to stockpile God's blessings, but that God blesses us so that others can be blessed through us, that blessing can flow through us. We're to be conduits and channels of God's blessing. And it's In fact, it's being a means to an end that gives our lives meaning. That when we put our lives into God's hands and we say, God, make me a means to your end. Let your blessing flow through my life into others' lives. That's what gives our lives meaning. Andy Stanley says it this way. He says, live for yourself and you'll only have yourself to show for yourself. When you make your life the end rather than a means to God's end, then you're living for yourself, and all you're going to have to show for yourself is yourself. But when we choose instead to put our lives into God's hands and to live for Him and to live for His glory, that His blessing might flow through us to others, that we would become a means to an end, then our lives find meaning. Now, before we move on, we can't imagine how ridiculous this must have sounded to Abraham. Standing alone with no children with no nation, being told by God, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great and I'm going to make a whole nation out of you. He's standing alone in the middle of nowhere. 
in a time when nations didn't bless nations. Okay, we've kind of gotten used to that. America has, has taken it upon themselves, rightly so, to bless other nations, to give foreign aid, to do what we can to improve the world, to take the responsibility of a superpower seriously. But that was not the case in Abraham's day. Nations did not bless other nations. They conquered them, they pillaged them, and they enslaved them. Just read the Old Testament. It happens over and over and over again. But God says to Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation, and through you all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And God says the same to us. He says, I will bless you in order to be a blessing. God blesses others so that we will be blessed, and others will be blessed through us. Now I want to look at another passage in Hebrews 11 that speaks about some of the blessing that takes place. It's verses 32 through the first half of 35. And he's been going along and he's, he's gotten all the way up to the doorsteps of the promised land. He's just spoken about, by faith, Rahab received the spies. She didn't turn them away. And so she uh, was not killed. And, and he's realizing, this is going to get really long if I go person by person through the entire history of Israel. Okay, so uh, from an economy uh, standpoint and a time standpoint, you hear the author say, what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life. Again, so much good has been done by those who live by faith, by those who we read about in the Old Testament, who chose by faith to bless others. There, over and over in the New Testament, you see this, this encouragement, this exhortation, this admonishment by Paul and by the other New Testament writers that we don't live for ourselves, that we put others first. We see Jesus giving us the example of his death on the cross in order to do this. And he knows that our faith and our faithfulness will inspire faith and faithfulness in the lives of others. That when we endure, others will find the courage to endure. That when we choose to live our lives for Jesus, others will be inspired to do the same. By faith, members of this church Many who are no longer here today have given, they have sacrificed, they have served in order that this place would be here. By faith, a church was planted over 50 years ago in another part of town. By faith, a building was built. By faith, people gave and sacrificed, and they, they showed up, and they served, and they helped construct that building. By faith, they moved to this location, and they gave, and they served. And by faith, we are here today. So many were blessed in order to be a blessing. And now we are the recipients of that blessing and we have the opportunity to pass the blessing forward in this physical location as this family of families to reach people for Christ, to give them a place to belong, to help them grow in their faith. That's who we are and that's what we're about here at Linwood. But beyond ourselves, beyond these eight walls, we have partnerships and we have given and invested strategically into partnerships around this community, here in the United States, and literally around the world. We don't see that as an expense. It's an investment. It's an investment we make in the kingdom. It's our opportunity to say we've been blessed 
in order to bless. We've been blessed so that we can bless others. In fact, next weekend you have an opportunity to hear about one of our our flagship partnerships, so to speak, with Keith and Sandra, who are going to Nepal several times a year and raising up leaders in leadership development, strengthening the church in the country of Nepal, and the the impact that Linwood Wesleyan Church has had on the nation of, of Nepal through our partnership with them is beyond what you can imagine. And I hope that you will be here next Sunday, right after church, to hear from them, to hear what's going on, to hear what has taken place and what is coming up. We do these mission lunches. We try to have two or three of them a year so that you can meet the people that we talk about and you can put a face with the name. And next month, or next week, is a special one. We've got uh, a mission potluck is the idea. So we need you to do a couple of things if you're going to be there. Take out your connection card and RSVP. Check one of the boxes that has a blank line next to it and put mission lunch there. And let us know that you're going to be there. And if you can make a main dish, let us know that. We'll have an idea of how many people are going to be there and how many main dishes so that we'll be covered. And there'll be something for you to eat. And then bring a side dish with you. And we had the idea of an international theme. Um, I don't know if that's what's keeping people from RSVPing. We've only had a couple of RSVPs. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people there. In case you're worried, the championship games for AFC and NFC are today. There's no football next week. You can come to the mission lunch. And then the Super Bowl is the following week, okay? So this is perfect. This is perfect. I hope you'll be there. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I, I think you'll really be blessed by that. But remember our bottom line? Remember our bottom line? We are blessed to be a blessing. I want to take it a little bigger than that. I want, to, I want to take it, when we think about by faith, we bless others. I would go so far as to say that every act of sacrificial giving and service is an act of faith. Every time somebody gives, every time somebody serves, every time somebody puts the needs of others, the needs of their church, the needs of strangers across oceans in front of their own needs, in front of their own desires, that's an act of faith. That's an act that says, God, I believe that you will bless me, that I may be a blessing. I believe you have blessed me, that I may be a blessing. And I believe that you will bless me. I believe there's going to be enough to go around if I choose to give. I believe that there's going to be enough energy and time if I choose to serve. And so every act of sacrificial giving and service becomes an act of faith. The contrast to that is that every act of selfishness comes from a lack of faith. Every act of selfishness says there's not enough to go around. I got to get mine while I can. I got to get and keep as much as I can. I don't have time to serve. I don't have energy to serve. Those are both finite. I don't have enough resources to give. And it's an act of unfaith. Or it's an act that evidences a lack of faith. And I share this with you today because my heart is burdened for the church in America. The church in America is shackled by a lack of faith. By a lack of faith. The most recent research indicates that the average church attender only gives about two to two and a half percent of their income. That that's the average. You take all the people who don't give anything, all the people who are faithful tithers, which is only about 10 to 25 percent in most churches. Very, very rare for a church to have more than 25 percent of the people that tithe, that give one tenth of what comes in. The church is shackled by a consumeristic. There's not enough to go around. I've got to get and keep as much as I can mentality. 
And it evidences a lack of faith. And I cannot begin to tell you the good that the church could do in the country of America and in the nation of the world if people would just tithe, if people would just give one-tenth. It's almost like God knew that math was hard. And so he said, I don't want you to have to get your calculator out. Just move the decimal point. You get 1,000, give 100. You get 10,000, give 1,000. All you have to do is look at your deposit from work and move the decimal. And that's tithing. And God has promised that he will bless you. And he already has because you've received. And if we give, we bless others and we receive blessing and protection from the Lord. He's promised it. And so I would encourage you to ask yourself right now, does my giving, does my serving, does my life for Christ evidence the fact that I believe that blessing is meant to flow into my life and out through my life, that I am blessed in order to be a blessing, that I am blessed in order to be a blessing, that I am blessed in order to be a blessing, and that that cycle continues over and over and over in my own life. And I'll close with Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. You see, because Christ looked to the future and endured difficulty, we are blessed. He has paid the penalty for our sin. Our sin which separated us from God and would have separated us from God for eternity, the penalty for that sin has been paid for us by Christ. There are two options for every person in this room. You can atone for your sin yourself. It will mean eternity, separated from God, in a very, very bad place, a very, very real place. Or you can allow Jesus Christ to atone for your sin. You can allow Jesus Christ to pay the penalty of your sin, which means that you will be ushered into his presence and you will spend eternity in his presence with him. When we look to him, when we do not lose heart, when we do not grow weary of doing good, that is the abundant life. That is the life where blessing flows into our life and out through our lives. And we are continually receiving more blessing and blessing is passing through us into the world around us. That is the abundant life that Jesus Christ came for us to have. He says in John 10.10, I came that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. In the New Living Translation, it says, I came that they may have a rich and satisfying life. The rich and satisfying life is the life where blessing flows through you into the world around you. The scarcity life, scarcity being the opposite of abundance, is the life where we say, I got to get as much as I can. I got to keep it for as long as I can. I got to lock it up. I got to protect it. I got to insure it. I got to make sure that I've got something for me because there's not enough to go around. And you see this with toddlers. Have you ever watched toddlers play together? Initially, they're kind of keeping, keeping their toys over here, and this one's keeping his toys over here, and they say, this one's mine. And if they're lucky, at some point, one of them will share a toy, and the other one will share a toy. And now they both have access to twice as many toys, and they'll have a blast playing together instead of being miserable, protecting their pile from the other one. And that's just one little picture of the way that this is meant to work in us and through us. 
So our bottom line today, you're blessed. You're blessed. And you're blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed as the people of God to be a blessing to the not yet people of God. Who can you bless through faith this week? Who can you take a risk? Who can you take a risk and tell what you've seen and heard? Maybe the biggest blessing that God is going to lay on your heart to give to another person is to introduce them to your Lord and Savior and to tell what he's done in your life. Who can you bless through faith this week? Who can you thank for blessing you? Maybe that's what God's going to lay on your heart. To say there was, there was somebody who blessed me. There was somebody who introduced me to Christ. There was somebody who invited me to church. And you can reach out and thank that person. And maybe taking us back to the beginning. Who can you come alongside with strength this week? Who can you see that is struggling and is having difficulty? And you can come alongside with strength, with empathy, with the ability to walk through a difficult situation, to endure with them, and to help them carry the weight. Scripture's clear. We are blessed to be a blessing. May God's blessing flow through us to those around us. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the example that Christ gives us to put our lives in your hand and to allow your blessing to flow through us to those around us. Help us, Lord, to not be those who stockpile your blessings who feverishly hoard them and protect them, but instead, Lord, to be those who become channels and conduits of your grace, of your blessing, of your protection, of your provision to the world around us. Help us, God, to live for you, to make our lives a means to your ends. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.